Erev Tov. We are continuing in the introduction of Rabbi Rambam to his Mishneh Torah. Last night we wrapped up a little bit about Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. And today I asked you to think a little bit about the answer to the following question. Let's read it on page Lamed Tet of the Rambam Mishneh Torah. There were five students of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. And they are from the greater of the Chachamim that received from him. And these are their names. Otherwise known as Rabbi Eliezer ben Hokanus. My wife has it. Verbi Yoshua, Verbi Yosea Kohen, Verbi Shimon ben Netanel, Verbi Elazar ben Arach. These are the five students of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. And we asked last night, why, if we know that Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai had so many students, so why are we only mentioning five? He had five students. Rabbi Yosef Masas last night told us that the answer to this question is in the word lo, for him. He had for him five students. It's like if you need a screen to go back more, it's okay. And so I asked you last night to please think about it a little bit and come up with some answers that might reflect the relationship between a rabbi and student, a teacher and a student in general, that might explain why these five are mentioned more than others. And we already started a few thoughts yesterday, like those who were the most famous of them, the, the, they were the best of the thousands of students that existed. And today I'm asking you to tell me more, why? What makes a student qualitatively better than another student? I mean, they were the students who had more students than everybody else. Everybody else was probably by himself. So these were the most prominent among them. Now, I would say that might be true. The only hesitancy that I have is we're asking what makes them greater as Talmidim. He only has five students. The fact that they have students, does it really make them greater students? I think so, yes. I, I had a similar answer to Tell what me. Um, was just said. That's my father. That, yeah, right, to, to, what, to what your father said. Um, is that those five students maybe were once considered in their own right. Is that it's one thing to become a student to be a receiver of knowledge, but the whole point of having students is to continue your Masorah. So those students were the greatest because they were leaders for the next generation like and continued his Masora. Okay, so <clears throat> you're saying something almost the same but with another nuance you added here. And so one, my father mentioned that these are the students who had the students themselves. You are mentioning a matter of they're the ones essentially who are succeeding their rabbi in terms of transmitting the oral Torah. I think that you could actually you can read that in the words of the Rambam, that these are the greatest five that 
had received Kabbalah from him. Meaning, it's not just that they were his students, but they were his students in the sense that they received the transmission from him, ultimately turning them into the five students who then pass on the Torah Shabbat Peh to the next generation. Any other ideas? They are great by themselves. Everybody is different. They were not all the same. That they were not all the same is true, but what about the thousands of other students? Why are these five better than them? Because they follow in, each, in a way, every one of them follow his way in a different way. And the thousand, and, and the thousand other ones? We don't know about them, they didn't mention them. So That's why I'm asking, why didn't we mention them? What's so special about these five? Okay, so I see that we're still mentioning uh, this. Is a, this is a good idea. I think that's the chat, by the way. Chat is that these are the five. These are the five that passed on their tradition of Obanikam ben Zakai. Zev, we're asking why these five students stick out. What's the quality of a student that makes one stick out more than the thousands of other students that he has? Let me walk you through what Rabbi Yosef Masat shares with us. So if you open up the PDF that's attached to the Zoom invitation in the Google Classroom, at the bottom of that PDF you will see where it mentions the PDF's uh, five students of Rabbi Muhammad Zagai, maybe actually what it's titled. And you'll find ourselves on page 362 in the writings of Rabbi Yosef Masas on Avot, the second volume. So you see there's a paragraph with vowels on top, that's the Mishnah. You then see paragraph 1, paragraph 2, paragraph 3. Paragraph 4 begins with the letter Aleph. That letter Aleph is what we're up to right now. So answer number 1. Rabbi Yosef Masas, for five students, has five answers. You see, the first difference between these five students and the other thousands of students There's a student who has a teacher who is their regular teacher. And he has many other temporary teachers. It's not the best word. Irregular teachers. I mean, there's one person who is his rabbi. But he still goes to classes over here, classes over there, listens to this, listens to that. He still has other teachers. He studies from them a few hours a day. Or Balayla, maybe in the evenings when the rabbi does a teach, or Shabbat, or in Shabbat when the rabbi, or Bechodesh, or on Rosh Chodesh. Meaning there are certain times where they go to the classes of this other rabbi. So they have one rabbi, but they have other rabbis they like learning from. It's in Milomed, and if you ask him, so who do you learn by? Yomar, it's in Peloni. He'll tell you the main rabbi, his main rabbi. He doesn't mention to you every single Torah class he goes to. I mean, someone asks you which Berakhneset you go to. You probably mention the main one you go to. You don't also make a list of every minyan you've ever prayed in in your life. 
The same thing with a rabbi and a student. Oftentimes, the student just has the name of the main rabbi they learn from, though there are others. Because they're just not the main rabbis. There must be a better word than not the main. The secondary rabbis. Surrogate rabbis. I don't know that word. He doesn't mention them. There are some who don't have any Rav There is no temporary rabbi. There is no secondary rabbi. They have one rabbi. And their hand never leaves their hand ever. Literally it means, that's what it literally means. What it means is that this is their only rabbi. They only learn Torah from this person. And a bulk of his Torah is only from this person. There's a halakha like this in Shulchan Aruch, if you're familiar. That's a Mishnah in Perkei Avot, you should make for yourself a rabbi, but there's a specific halakha, if someone's rabbi dies, there are certain mourning rituals that one must do over them. And that depends on how much of a rabbi they are to you. Did you learn most of your wisdom from them, some of your wisdom from them, all of your wisdom from them? In olden days, by the way, every time the Khan passed away, we used to rip our clothing and like that was a, a norm. That's the law in the Shukhanahu. I can't tell you why today it is the way it looks. This is better. The one who has one set <laughs> Hi Halevis. This is bedtime clearly didn't happen. That's better than somebody who learns from many different teachers. Like it says specifically in Masech Avot, Yehoshua ben Perachia Omer, Yehoshua the son of Perachia says, Aselach Arav, make for yourself a rabbi. Bekach Pirshu b'Magen Avot Darashbats, Sham Mishmed Gemara Avot Azara, you want Sham? And the other Chachamim will say something similar about this. So what's category number one of a student? There's two types of students. There are rabbis who have students that are committed to them, only to them. They learn from them, everything from them. And there are some who dance at all the different parties. They have a main rabbi, don't, not to take away from that. But they, they go elsewhere. I'll tell you the truth. I used to learn this Gemara, Asad Kharav. I used to get very, I wouldn't say anxious, not in a mental health way, but it's sort of like you can get stuck. Like you can get stuck with one rabbi, you never understand the other perspective. And it bothered me. Now there are mefarshim there, by the way, who explain that logic and things that are related to expanding your mind, you should learn from many different rabbis. When it comes to halakha, consistent, a path that needs consistency, that's best to learn from one person. It doesn't mean to limit yourself to one person. But it means that in areas that require consistency, you should follow that one consistent approach. Now, Asad Kharav, I've explained to you differently. This translation of the Ambam is very different than how we're Discussing this right now, I'll leave that for right now. Uh, I'll tell you. So Rambam explains that Asad Kharav doesn't mean make yourself a rabbi, like in the Hasidic sense of having some grand master who you you bow down to and this is your world. Rather, Asad Kharav, there should be a, an authority in your life, somebody who you are able to when you study Torah. You know the laws of Shabbat. You're learning the laws of Shabbat. When you need to make a decision, there's someone you trust to consult with. Someone who literally becomes your counterpart in studying Torah. 
Yeah, they might know more than you. That's exactly why you have them. But they're there in order to enhance your decision-making process. Not to cripple you to not make any decisions. Yeah. But here I'm telling you that in no way means that type of crippling vertical behavior anyways. I always felt pressured by this Mishnah until I met Mori HaRav Yaakov Peretz. It's been the longest time that I haven't seen him since I left Israel. I always made a point every year to be by him and, you know, COVID did its thing and we're almost coming up on two years now. I should see him in good health. HaRav Peretz, when I came to him and I learned by him, so you've heard parts of the story before. My first reaction was actually one of revulsion. I couldn't handle what he was saying. Too much of what he was saying made me upset. That's why you know, sometimes people tell me, you're so patient with those people who ask the same question. I said, I was once that person. I was once the person who wasn't able to accept willingly the things that I was being taught. And so the patience that my rabbi had with me is the courtesy I wish to extend to other people when I can. But once I began learning with Agapelitz, and I became involved in this approach, it became very difficult for me to listen to anybody else. Very difficult. I very often, I wanted to go study other shiurim, things that other chachamim would say, and I have, Baruch Hashem, I, I've exposed myself to other chachamim. When it comes to learning another area of halakha, every time I sit in a shiur and I hear a rabbi teach halakha, and I feel, Halafelis would have said this differently. He would have explained it better. He wouldn't have lied like you lied about that commentary. He wouldn't have made the mistake that you made in that mistake. There's a certain connection in that bed that I can't take away. I, what can I do? And I once told him that I'm upset at him for because it's uh, not allowed me to go places that I would have liked to go. But on the other hand, it's really given me the ability to say, this is my rabbi, and I believe very much to, that I would consider myself his student. And so in this way, says the Yosef Masas, these students of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai are completely different from the thousands of other students. The thousands of other students also learned by Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai. You ask them, who's your rabbi? Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai. Then where do you go study? Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai. But really, what do they do? Shabbat, they're by this rabbi. Pesach, they're by that rabbi. Tuesday nights, they go to that rabbi. So they do have Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai as their rabbi, but they're all over the place. And so these are the five students that didn't leave the side of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai. What do you think? Yeah? Okay. Answer number two. Oh, sorry. We can say the same thing by Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai. He had thousands of students that studied by him regularly. And they learned by others in an Arai fashion, in a temporary fashion. But from the second category of five students that were always by his side, he only had five. They didn't learn anything else from anybody else aside from him. And about that, they say, Five students he had, specifically that they were his, meaning they didn't go anywhere else. Because they were his students and nobody else's students. I was just thinking of that parallel. The Yeshua, it says the young man, Yeshua, never left the tent of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's very reminiscent of that. This is the tent that they stayed in. Page 
יש תלמיד יש תלמיד, there are some students, הלומד מרבו רק תורה. They only learn from their rabbis Torah. What does it mean Torah? Yeah, they come to learn Torah. Literally the text, the rabbis teach it. Very good. But they're not interested in grabbing onto the character traits of their rabbi. For example, in Rabbi Chassid, if his rabbi is a righteous man, who pashut? He's a simple man. What do you mean simple? Follows all the halachot, but no piety there. Or the hefech, or the opposite. Nadiv, who kilai, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. If his rabbi is generous, he's a miser. He's a cheapskate. Or the hefech, or the opposite. And like this, you can apply to any of the character traits. I read a story once. Rabbi Herschel Schachter. It's not usually stopping grounds, but I once was in a place. The book they had was uh, Babraf Soloveitchik, written by Rabbi Herschel Schachter. I went through the book. It's very difficult for me when I read halachot. Very often, the manipulation of text to fit an Ashkenazi custom or something like that, they b- bothers me deeply. It bothers me when Sephardic people do it too. I just don't appreciate it. If you want to do what you want to do, do it, but don't manipulate a text to tell me that's how you should do it. And I saw too much of that in the book. But in the footnotes, one of the footnotes of the book, as you know, Rav Soloveitchik, as a young man, maybe you don't know, was uh, raised in a very staunchly Lithuanian family. Like from the Sions of Lithuania. They're not just regular Lithuanians. The Soloveitchik family, if I had to say, are Lithuanians on steroids. No disrespect, but they're like the epitome of and when he was a young boy, his parents sent him to Cheder. The better Cheder in town was a Chabad Hasidic Cheder in Europe. And so Rabbi Soloveitchik, the little kid, would go there. Legend has it that when his grandfather would come visit the Cheder, he would cover up his Tanya with a, a Gemara, so nobody should see that he's studying Tanya in the Cheder. Fast forward many years. If you know Rabbi Soloveitchik's Talmud classes, sometimes there was standing room only. Some of them would go three hours, four hours, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, huge auditoriums, standing room only. Rashi Shiva would come, big rabbis would come to hear. You know, Rabbi was not just a, a Talmudist, but he was also a master orator. If you've heard him speak, there are a few recordings of him. Even when he speaks in Yiddish, they have English subtitles. I, don't, I didn't learn Yiddish overnight. He knows how to hold an audience. He's a, he's a, his, he's a teacher par excellence. That's what he was though I'm not from his students and not related. Rav Soloveitchik announced in the yeshiva, yeshiva university, that he wants to begin a shiur in Hasidut. Particularly in one of the books of the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, Lukutei Torah, Torah Or, I don't remember which one, but one of those two. And he was so excited. Finally, he felt comfortable enough with his students to teach them a little bit about the side of him that appreciated Hasidut. You can imagine, learning Hasidut from Rav Soloveitchik would be quite a trip. I mean, that would be a pretty interesting experience. And he announced his class. They put up flyers in Shiva University. And when it came time for the class, it was Rabbi Herschel Schachter and two other guys. And after two weeks, the other two guys dropped out. 
And Rav Herschel Schachter looked at his rabbi, Rabbi Soloveitchik. And Rabbi Soloveitchik told him, he said, you know, they want my brain, but they don't want my heart. It was a very powerful teaching, that teaching there. I think there's a whole world of people that likes rabbis, leaders in any way for their brains. But leave us out of your heart. Don't tell us the things we don't want to hear. And I've experienced this very often in many places. So there's a crowd online that learns with us. Not you. If you're here, you're not part of that crowd. And for them, if I would give a class on how to make Cheetos kosher, you would have a packed auditorium. You drop a pin. L.A., New York, full house. Yeah. How to make, uh, I don't know, Uncle Ben's rice. Like if we did something, that, that would be a world-class shiur. But if I would give a shiur on Yichud Hashem, how to truly understand the oneness of the creator of the universe. Ma'asem I'm not saying I'm holding that. I'm just giving an example. It will probably just be the, those of us sitting around the table right now. Because there are some people, they don't want more than that. They just want to know that they're potato chips, they can eat them without a hechshel. That's what makes them happy. And by the way, cater to those people too. But then don't fool yourself. When someone says, oh, who are, we, in this house, we follow the halachot of Yoran, uh, not really. You, by the potato chips, in the potato chip section, you follow those halachot. Where else? Do you really know what it means to be part of this kila? Unfortunately, the scholars have already been replaced by technicians. So it's it's technicians learning from technicians. Right? I mean, we're not we're not. I think we're in a place. I, I recently told them somebody asked me a very good question. I told them the only way you can answer this question is if you read the following book. The only way. No, I don't like to read. So how do you want me to answer your question? They asked me another question. You know, this I said. Listen, the only way you're the, the, the statement what it as follows. I love the answers to these questions, but how come I can't learn them on my own? Something like that. I said, you know, you can. You just have to commit a serious amount of time to learning Torah. Come. We learn here a whole week. Come on Zoom. Join us. Learn Torah. It's too much work. Well, if it's too much work, then you can't expect, you can't expect to get anything out of it. Limut Torah is more than just a moment in time. It's more than just a nice devout Torah and the parasha. There are people who they come to the Knesset, they hear the rabbi's sermon, and that's the whole limut Torah they do the whole week, and if they're, even if they're awake during the rabbi's speech. And sometimes the rabbi doesn't even give a speech that has any Torah inside of it. And so sometimes you can have a person go for months not learning Torah. So here, says Rabbi Yosem Mesas, Yesh Talmid al kol There is a student who imitates, not in a cheap way, but who emulates, that's the better word, Emulates the character traits of their rabbi. Lomed Torah. They study Torah from that person. But they also hold on to the character traits and the actions of this person. But that's the reason why our rabbis warned us against studying from Torah scholars who are crooked in their character traits. Because the nature of a true student is to want to emulate their teacher. It's very hard to divorce a person's mind from their actions. You know, they say there was once a ethics professor in university walking with his students and the ethics professor sees a wallet on the side of the road 
So he picks up the wallet, and he takes out the driver's license, throws it in the trash, takes out the cash, puts it in his pocket, and walks down the road. And the students are, they can't believe it, they're surprised, they're in shock. He said, Professor, how could you take the wallet? It was on the floor. He said, but you're supposed to be an ethics professor. He said, the guy next door to me in room 403, he's a geometry professor. You don't expect him to be a triangle, do you? That's the world in which we're operating today. You see at Tamikham, they do crazy things. No, I, I know Torah, but who said I'm a tzaddik? You don't have Yerat Shamayim, so get out of the world of Torah. I'm not being Aristotle. <laughs> Very good. There's a, a joke related. I don't have afterwards. Ad shekol hayodat rabo v'oret talmido. And this student reaches a place that anyone who knows the rabbi and then meets the student, sheno yodat shu talmido. You don't know that this student studied by that rabbi. Makir ma'atzmo shu talmido shal ploni. Already on your own, you could guess based on this person's actions who the rabbi is. And that's the same thing about these five students. That they held on to their rabbi's character traits, not just his Torah. And everybody who saw one of these five students, they didn't need to ask who was your rabbi. They knew by watching them, this is the student of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. And that's why it says, Hayu lo, they were for him. Bedomim lo, they were similar to him. Betorah, vira, in Yerat Shamayim, uvechol midatovan, and every good character trait. Notice, they didn't emulate negative character traits. They emulated positive character traits. Aroperetz once was speaking with me, not so long ago. We mentioned something, something came up, it was an interesting conversation. And Aroperetz told me, he said, I'm very afraid of this generation. Why are you so afraid? I'm not, you know, what's going to happen? They converted him to the iPhone thing. Like, what's going to happen now? Don't they get that So it's the first generation that I've observed. Large amounts of Talmidei Chachamim, large numbers of Talmidei Chachamim, who do not possess one ounce of Yerat Shammai. They have Torah wisdom. But fear of heaven, they don't have. And I don't want to mention names that were mentioned there. But the world around us is very frightening. Someone's a big rabbi, knows a lot of Torah, knows a lot of Gemara, but are they striving for righteousness? Are they kind people? Are they pious people? Are they good people? Would you trust them with your kids? Would you trust them with your wallet? <laughs> it's probably a better one than your kids. They probably don't want your kids to have enough of their own. But a wallet, would you trust them with your wallet? And look, we've already expected this to be the norm. You live in a generation where people can make a list. You mention a rabbi's name, they'll drop to you. Not things that they assume, rumors. Rabbis that have been indicted for crimes, real crimes, major crimes. And what do you do? Not you. I'm not talking to you, right? Your friends. What do they do? They still donate every month. And they go there every month. They chaz v'shalom. You should speak about them. There's a rabbi I spoke about here almost five years ago. Just recently, he was arrested again for the, I don't even know how many times, for being part of a murder plot in the 80s, 70s or 80s. And you think anyone's going to do anything about it? He's just another martyr at the hands of the Satan who's coming to stop the Mashiach from coming. 
Half of you have books of his students in your house. And when I say you, I mean you, actually you. Because today, if you're a rabbi who's a murderer, a molester, a rapist, uh, you mention that and in the names, a financial crimes expert, not just guilty of financial, an expert of financial crimes, fraud, that's okay. Shlita, you always make sure to say Shlita at the end of his name. He should live a long life. He should tell you that if you're Ashkenazi, you could follow the Shulchan Aruch and eat rice on Pesach. You could take away a Rabbi Semicha for that. Or he should tell you that on Yom Tov, there are opinions that are different than what you've heard about before about electricity or about Giyu. God forbid they will tell you those things, they're not a Rabbi anymore. The other ones, big rabbis, not little, big rabbis. They come out of prison, celebrations for them. That's the crazy Jewish world you're a part of. Because we've already accepted that Talmidei Chamim don't need Yerat That you can just have a Talmid Chamim. Yeah, he knows a lot of Torah. What, who needs Yerat It's a very frightening thing. And we're living in a generation where this is the peak of it. We're surrounded by Talmidei Chamim who don't have Yerat And Talmidei Chamim who have Yerat something fascinating. I recently told somebody that in my short lifetime, I've had the merit and the, the demerit, can I say? To rub shoulders with many different Talmidei Chamim. Those who were genuinely Talmidei Chamim, who had Yerat regardless of their background, if they are Sephardim or Ashkenazim or Temanim or Hasidim or Chabad or Vizhnitz or wherever they, wherever they came from, but they were genuine Talmidei Chamim with Yerat you could sit down and we could get lost in conversation for five hours, eating the same food, singing songs together. Somehow you take away the Yerat and and everything falls apart. When I rabbi say, Torah scholars increase peace in the world, people think it's a joke, like it was a question mark, like, do, do Torah scholars increase peace in the world? But the answer is, if you've ever seen who have Yerat interact with each other, then you will never see something so peaceful in your life. A beautiful relationship. We should merit to the days where we find Talmidei Chamim, students of Chamim, who not just emulate the rabbis in terms of knowledge, but also embody their character traits and their personality and their midot, and teach us to do the same with them. B'zalat Hashem. I will take any questions that Anybody has, we'll continue with the next three items.